Good evening, cabin crew. I'm your daring host, Farah, and welcome to tonight's episode of the Conversation Cabin Podcast. We're going down the rabbit hole of cryptozoology with a very special guest, Nick Valente, founder of the International Dogman Project, and a true expert on the study of hidden creatures that challenge our understanding of the natural world. As you may know, cryptids are animals or beings that have not been officially recognized by science, but have been reported or rumored to exist by eyewitnesses, legends, or folklore. From Bigfoot to the Loch Ness Monster, from Chubacabra to Mothman, people have been fascinated by the possibility that some creatures may elude our detection and classification. One of the most enigmatic and controversial cryptids is the Dogman, a humanoid or canine-like entity that has been sighted in various parts of the world, often in rural or remote areas. Unlike Sasquatch or Yeti, Dogman are said to be more aggressive and territorial, sometimes even attacking people or livestock. The stories and images of Dogmen have sparked both curiosity and fear among cryptozoologists and the general public. What are they? Where do they come from? Are they just hoaxes or misidentifications? Or could they represent a new species or hybrid of some kind? Nick Valente has been studying dogmen for over 20 years, traveling to different states and countries, interviewing witnesses, collecting evidence, and collaborating with other researchers. He has accumulated a wealth of knowledge and experience in the field of cryptozoology and has also faced criticism and skepticism from skeptics and traditional scientists. In our conversation tonight, we'll delve into Nick's personal journey as a dogman investigator, his findings and theories about these mysterious creatures, and how the study of them has changed our outlook on the unknown. So buckle up, cabin crew, and get ready for a wild ride into the fascinating realm of cryptids. I present to you Down the Rabbit Hole with Nick Valente. I have so many questions for you, Nick, but first of all, I want to know you as a person. Can you tell me just a little bit about how you got started? What made you so interested in this? And then we'll get down to the nitty gritty. Well, I guess I, I actually started in the paranormal. My mom actually got me started in that by telling me about two, um, I guess you would call it ghost type stories that she was involved in. She saw the spirit of a lady near uh, her gravestone when my mom was about seven and her mother went to the lady's gravestone because she was a friend. It was a next door neighbor. And my mom decided to bend down and pick up a little yellow flower and the lady appeared to her. And <laughs> my mom didn't pick the flower. And then <laughs> another time when... Uh, this is still like now when she was like 10, three years later, uh, she was with her mom, my grandmother, and uh, they had found a little box in the outside shed where they lived. Uh, once again, it was next to where this lady had, had lived previously. And uh, my mom picked it up and the lady appeared to her again. And uh, 
my mom told me the story and she kind of got me interested in it. I, I guess I was about oh, 11. And I used to do a lot of reading back then when I was younger. And uh, my mom took me to the library a lot. I picked a book up by Hans Holzer. He's the original ghost hunter guy. And uh, I tried to read every book that he had out there and any magazines that I would find in local candy store, same thing. But as the years went by, like in high school, I uh, joined up with a couple other other people and we formed a little group and that group actually expanded to about 20 people. And we were like ghost hunters. We would go to cemeteries at midnight and walk through and we were told if you did that, your hair would turn white. Uh, we would go to houses that were abandoned for, well, for as long as we knew anyway. And we were told, oh, there's cold spots. And we kind of proved that the cold spots were just uh, holes in the roof, you know, and coming down and creating a draft. Uh, <laughs> same thing with the graveyards. There's nobody there to hurt you. And we would walk right through 12 midnight, nothing going on. And it, it got to be like into my teen years when I was still doing that with the group and I stopped because everything, every time we went someplace, we didn't hear any ghostly sounds or voices. I mean, we had some of the early equipment that they had out, you know, that is supposed to pick up ghost voices and stuff. Nothing. So as time went on, one day I, I was at the library and I picked up a book on the Yeti. And I took okay. it to the front to take it out, you know, from the Himalayas. And uh, the librarian lady said, oh, if you like that, you'll probably like this one on the Loch Ness Monster. And she happened to have it at the front. So would you like to take it out? So I took that out, too. And uh, I used to read other books, uh, I guess, more fictional books on uh, like Wolfman and Dracula and stuff like that. It was more interesting. So My favorite. Yeah. So I gave up the uh, I gave up the uh, ghost hunting stuff and um most of my friends were, were still doing it, though, at the time. Uh, I have a buddy of mine now. God, I, I must know him quite a quite a few decades now. And uh, he's still doing it. In fact, I think he wrote a book. I don't know if I'm allowed to say his name, so I won't say it. But, uh, yeah, he's still doing it. And uh, I started reading about the cryptids. And then for a little while there, I was going to, like, the local candy store, picking up magazines, trying to see if I can get stuff on on other creatures and things out there. And I saw something on a Bigfoot. I mean, wow. I mean, back then there was, there was no such thing. Right. You know, but the Bigfoot's just like the Yeti, except he's brown. Yeti's like a, a gray and a white. Yeti's up where the cold region is. Bigfoot's all over the place. Uh, Loch Ness Monster. Then there's the one up in Canada, Champs, you know, Lake Champlain and all that stuff. Um, plus, while I was looking for cryptid type things, and I didn't even know they were called cryptids back then, uh, I found stuff on UFOs. So that piqued my interest. I started to read stuff on UFOs. And, you know, one week I'd be reading tons of UFO stuff, and next week I'd be reading stuff on the different cryptids. And, I mean, it was interesting. Amongst all the other things that I, I was reading at the time and doing, I just don't like to waste time. So it's, a, it's just a fun way to pass your time anyway. Definitely. I mean, I'm right there with you. Uh, that's how I got started. It's weird. I, I started out paranormal. Then I went to cryptids. Then I went to UFOs. Right. So I it's it's that's I don't know. That's a, a little smorgasbord, I would have to say. Yeah. But, you know, so, I'll tell you, though, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but oh, no. nowadays, today, 
thinking outside the box, which is what most people should do who are in this, in cryptozoology, uh, first of all, you should get yourself educated, number one. But number two, it's looking like the three of them are combined. And I had started a group on Facebook, the Quad Coalition of Sciences, which is zoology, uh, paranormal, cryptozoology, and uh, you know, UFOlogy. And that's, that's a place where people can all come together and talk about their findings and, and show the different stuff about the abnormal things out there in this world. But what I'm trying to get at is where I started in one and then went to another and then jumped to another, it seems like there's a big possibility that they're all interwined. I could not agree more. I mean, we'll get more into that later, but for right now, since we're on the subject, Nick, I fully think that Bigfoot is not just flesh and blood. He has some type of supernatural paranormal powers, as well as he possibly can teleport somewhere else to like a different planet because he's stayed elusive for so long. And, you know, there are many stories of people that say when they see him, he either shrivels down to nothing into like a black nothingness, or he's there one minute and he's gone the next. So I definitely think that he has a combination. And once people start realizing that, they might be able to find more evidence, hopefully. But, you know, Mm -hmm. we'll see. So let me ask, how did you first get interested in the topic of Dogman? I never even knew there was such a thing. But on September 13th, 2013, I had a, I don't want to call it a sighting. I had an encounter. And that's how I I first got in interested in Dogman. Uh, I went to the library, of course, I went to bookstores trying to look it up and there was nothing out there back in 2013. But I mean, when you have an encounter that's standing there 30 feet away from you, it's uh, definitely something that's more life changing. And to me, it was extremely interesting, let's put it that way, to see something like that, seven foot, seven inches tall, I'm saying approximately 650, uh, pounds and weight, hairy, wolf-like face, and here's the kicker: bipedal, not down on all fours. So okay, that's thank what you got for answering interested. that. Mm-hmm. I uh, yeah, it it took quite a while to find out what this thing was, and uh, I did find out what it was. And I'm looking on the internet, and there's really not very much on there. I found a group, I joined the group, and from there it just took off, and you know. There, there was more and more information out there. Once you once you find a group, then there's other groups that contact you, and there's more people that give information. There's different avenues to to, to follow on that, and yep, <laughs> that's where I took off from. Well, can you explain what a dogman is for those who might not be familiar with this sort of cryptid? Well, first of all, he's a cryptid, which is a creature that has been seen by many people, but not uh, deemed by science to exist. Uh, The dog man is, well, consider in the movies, uh, a werewolf, uh, except much bigger. A werewolf is like a, uh, a shape changer, a person that changes into, you know, a wolf like being. Now, basically, they're going to change into something that's about the same height. If the guy is six foot, he's going to be about six foot, six and a half feet. Uh, a dog man 
the only ones that are basically six feet that have been reported are juvenile dogman. Uh, dogman is generally seven foot to about seven foot seven, seven foot eight. Very rarely have I had reports. Now reports come into me all the time and they're describing dogman. Uh, very rarely are there any eight footers, but a dogman is an alpha predator. He's the alpha out there. Uh, like I said, generally in the area of 500 to 650 pounds, seven oh and a half God. feet tall, uh, three inch hair on the body, dark hair. Uh, sometimes I'll get reports that they're brown, sometimes a reddish brown. Uh, a couple of reports that they were gray. Uh, very, very few reports like that. And Mind you, I get anywhere these days now, not the past, but now these days, I get anywhere from 25 to about 45 reports per day. And that's coming to me from people all over the world, all over the oh United States. Goodness. You know, people that want to report, look, I had a sighting. I had a sighting of this bipedal canine looking creature. It has like a wolf's face, like a German shepherd type face, nails that are about three inches long, very muscular. You got to figure they're not eating cake and donuts out there. They're eating deer and rabbits and whatever wildlife is out there. Some some parts of Oklahoma, they're eating the wild boar. Uh, so that's that's basically what a dog man is. It's, it generally will avoid you because I think they have some sort of intelligence. And their intelligence tells them that we start killing humans. Humans are going to catch on. And they're going to hunt us down and destroy us all. And I think that's that's where they're coming from on that. You will find them down uh, in areas where there is like a river, a stream, because anything living and breathing is going to need water. Right. And they're generally going to be in a forest area because you have deer out there. You have rabbits. You have a lot of, a lot of wildlife that they can chase down. They're extremely fast. I have reports out of Pennsylvania, um, just above where the Poconos is at. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I guess it was early last year that I got reports. Just in this one week time, I got reports from seven different sources about the same area where they had sightings. This one couple driving home on this one street. Now, once again, it's not in the Poconos. It's north above the Poconos in Pennsylvania. There's a particular street that they were driving down and the wife says to the husband, there's an animal outside our, our, my car window. And he's saying, that's impossible. I'm doing 35 miles an hour. And her sighting was, I mean, he looked over at it and he saw it too. There was a dog man running by beside their car on the passenger side, keeping up with the car. The husband panicked. He hit it. He got up to 50. This thing was still there. He got up to 70 and it wasn't there anymore. But they got down to a, a T intersection. They made a right hand turn. And right at that T intersection is where four other witnesses had had sightings. Now, I would call theirs an encounter. What's the difference, Nick, between a sighting and an encounter? Well, the sighting. For the other four witnesses that I'm speaking about in that same area where they made the turn at the T, uh, he was, the sighting is the dog man was coming out of a cornfield. He ran across the roadway as their car was approaching that T intersection. 
ran across the cornfield and went back into the other side. Uh, the encounter was with these people. They're, they're driving and she's telling her husband, there's something outside the window here. As a matter of fact, it slashed the side of their car and they took pictures of it. So they've got four slash marks on the back right rear fender on their car. So there's your encounter. Your encounter is when, you know, you're you're right there looking at each other and, you know, oh not when this thing just flashes across. A lot of people will talk about Sasquatch, you know, Bigfoot. And, oh, I saw a Bigfoot running in the forest. Okay, that's a sighting. Some people, they're standing there and they, you know, and a Bigfoot just comes walking out of the bushes and stands there looking at them and might do mind speak to them and, tells them, all right, just stay where you are. You know, a lot of hunters have had that. And the Sasquatch will come out and say, do not shoot. If you shoot, I'm going to do something. Mm. Now, in your research, Nick, how long has this dog man been around? Has he always been around? Is it something that has just come about Um you know, like when the when we all hear the military start doing experiments, but I mean, how in your research, what have mm-hmm. you found? Is is does it date back to, you know, sixteen hundred? Yeah. Wow. In, in Egypt, you have the jackal-headed, uh, dogman-looking bipedal uh, statue. So they knew something back then. Uh, in the United States, if you want to just keep it local here. The Native Americans know about the Dogman. Dogman is supposedly the keeper of the Native American Indians' burial grounds. And there have been, did you want to make a comment on that? Oh my gosh. Um, when I did a Dogman story on one of my episodes, Nick, one of um, one of an encounter, I guess you would say, because it was more close up. I don't know if you heard about it. His name, I think, was Mike. He was... Um, uh, a security guard for a, a place and he had heard something and here it was a dog man that was digging in where there was mm-hmm. an old burial ground so right. that's just weird that you said that because I did not know that the native um, Indians mm-hmm. had I just always heard them um, write you know like petroglyphs and things about the hairy right. man I didn't know about the dog man Oh, no, it's it's in the Native American, I'll call it lore, because they also have their skinwalkers who are similar to a dogman. Um, however, it goes, first of all, like I said, it goes back well over 2,000 years to the Egyptians, and it's come rolling through the years. It's just not seen or advertised as much, I guess, in books as much as the Sasquatch was, because he got, he just got a lot of press from the Yeti and all that. Um, right. Native American lore. Now, first of all, they will not talk to me being a white man. Uh, you bring the subject up. I mean, I've been throughout the country here trying to interview people and Native Americans will not talk with me. However, it is in, it's written in books to other Native Americans that they have spoken to and passed down from family to family. Uh, and somehow people you know, heard the story and, and put it down in newspaper stories or in books. And they also have it in drawings and caves. I mean, it's pretty funny where, you know, back in the 1800s, the Native Americans drew pictures of 
a wolf on two feet, you know, and it's it's in caves or on the side of uh, cliffs, you know, and, and mountainsides. There's there's a lot of drawings that they've done over the years, so they must have seen them somehow. There's drawings in Arizona on the side of a cliff of a uh, thunderbird, for instance, and there's yep. there's another cryptid. Um, but it's they've also been around since the late 1700s. And this is written down in books and in journals. Uh, the trappers, the fur trappers back in the late 1700s came across Dogman. As a matter of fact, there's a story written in this one trapper's journal. Uh, he was eventually killed by a dogman who tracked him down. He and his partners, he had three partners. They were trappers. They had furs. They traded with the Indians. And what they did was they went onto an island that they were told not to go onto, and they dug up the, the graves, and the Native Americans are buried with gold and precious jewels in their graves with them. You know, anything that they wore that, that they had at the time. These trappers took it, and three out of the four trappers never made it back to their home village, which was hundreds of miles away. They were all tracked down by dogmen and viciously killed. This one trapper, he made it, but 10 years after he made it back, one day he heard a growling outside, and this is be, this was written in his own journal later after he was killed by his nephew. And he had one piece of jewelry left, and he was tracked down 10 years later, and he was killed. So, I mean, that's in journals that, that they have out there, I don't know, I guess in libraries and stuff. Uh, which is another thing I, I like to mention all the time is when I travel to different states, I like to go to the old bookstores, go to the old libraries, look through the microfilm, microfiche of newspapers, because as a 14 researcher, that's what we're taught to do. You know, you go through books, you go through the Internet, but the Internet is not the final say on things. Well, I mean, Farrell, wouldn't you rather look at, a, at an old newspaper, you know, clipping on microfilm? And you see it right there and you're saying to yourself, wait a minute, here's 22 guys, and this is real, 22 guys back in the early 1800s in front of a barn, their backs are to the barn and in front of them on the ground is a, is a bird called a thunderbird. And it's Picture. got, and it's got 15, 15 foot wings on either side. Now, back then, I don't think that they had any kind of... Uh, I, how could I say, photographic enhancing capabilities? You take that picture, that's a one-shot deal. It's on a plate, and that was it. And it was taken. It was taken way, way, way back when. And I saw that picture. I know yeah. exactly which one you're talking about because I do try to um, dig into, like, Internet archives where they have the old clippings. Right. I want to see the clippings from the original sighting. I don't want to see the 20th person right about right. that that sighting or encounter now you mentioned something about how the indians would write it and it it was bipedal now do you think that has any relevance whatsoever with the skinwalker because as you know a skinwalker is also known to turn into a wolf now is that something different it turns into a wolf and then you have the dog man which is separate and he's bipedal I think the dogman is separate. I think the skinwalkers become skinwalkers because of a curse. And it, that, that's all in the Native American lore. 
because you have the same native 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 Canadian lore with the First Nations people in Canada, and they have the same thing going on. Now remember something with with Native American Indians, as with I guess the First Nation people up in Canada. How is it that they all know about the Dog Man and about the Hairy Man, Sasquatch, the East Coast people, the West Coast people, the Central people, all the way down into Mexico? I mean, how is it that they know about them? How, how is it they all write about them? How is it that they've all drawn pictures of them? Right. It's just like people on the West Coast, for instance, uh, between 95 and 2015, there was over 3,000 reports of Sasquatch. Uh, why did they do that? You know, I mean, it was up and down the coast, Oregon, Washington State, Colorado, all of California reports in that time frame. How is it that all these people saw this? Are they all lying? Do they want their 15 That's minutes of fame? A lot of these people don't want, don't want a lot of people to know what they saw because they're going to, oh, you're crazy. You're, we don't want to bother with you. You know, you're a nut. And a lot yeah. of them are professionals, too, that have a lot to lose. There you go. There you go. You said it. You said it. I'm glad you, you picked that out. Yeah, because I know that um, the doctor, uh, Jeff, that's one of the biggest Bigfoot researchers, he is a respectful, respectful doctor. He has lots to lose. And when he is asked, do you believe in Sasquatch? He doesn't really say, yes, I do. He says the evidence is here. I've been studying the evidence. So that's what I that's what I feel. There is something here because I've seen the evidence, but mm -hmm. there's there's lawyers, there's doctors, there's, um, you know, nurses, people that have a good reputation in their community. They have many things to lose. They're not crazy and they mm -hmm. they can't be. They're not out of profession. They're still doing it. So you cannot say that those people lie. Right. But at the same time, what we were, I was talking about before is how are the Native Americans on the East Coast talking to the ones in the West Coast? I mean, how did they get it through? They, there's no telephone. Well, how time. did the Egyptian, how yeah. did it get over here? How it's, is it down there? How do we know anything about the Egyptian? The United States was completely separate back in that day. They really right. didn't even have any doings with mm -hmm. um, the Americans. So, right. I mean, that means that someone saw it here. So That's all there is to it. And they do now, it. is that yeah. September 13th, 2013? Is that when you decided to start the International Dogman Project? No, no, no. Okay. I started the uh, IDP uh, back in 2018, the latter half of 2018. I was with another organization at the time, and they were basically uh, within North America. And as a, a regional director, I said, hmm, let me see, let me take it out a little further because we've got other stories, other other research we can do by uh, gathering in the stories from people from Europe and, and, uh, and Finland and Norway and Sweden and all that area. So I started one with a, uh, a Facebook friend of mine in Finland and we started the IDP over there and it, it grew, grew pretty well. And I've got stories from people from Germany, uh, Let's see, Ireland, Scotland had a few, uh, Australia, New Zealand, you know, they, they all joined that one there. And um, later on, like earlier uh, this year, 
when I broke away from the other organization, I decided to go full time, you know, with the IDP. So I just opened up different sections of the IDP throughout the country and throughout the world. And we're expanding still today. We, we've got something like 17,000 members. Oh, my gosh. Good for you, Nick. You're spreading the true word. So um, how do you gather information about dogman sightings and encounters? Well, a lot of them come in to me, uh, just just being the head of the organization. Plus, I have a, a very good core of admins who help me with all the other sites, and they're contacted by people out there. I mean, if the people don't you know, feel like they can't contact me, they'll contact one of them if they feel more comfortable. They'll okay. tell them their story. Uh, it, it, I get stuff in, in my email. I get stuff on, uh, I don't know how, but sometimes I'll get text messages on my telephone. You know, okay. the person says, well, listen, I don't want to talk, but I want to tell you what happened and where it's at. Uh, a lot of times it's on Facebook Messenger and a lot of times right on the site because we're, we're open. We tell them we're, we're not going to make fun of you if you tell us your story. As a matter of fact, if anybody does down somebody or tries to shame them for telling a story, you're out. Basically, good, I'll give good. you a warning, and if you don't want to take the warning, then you're just out of the group. You don't have to be with us. You know, they're totally banned from all the groups, not just from our group. Good. Um, that's that's the way to, to do that because it's already hard enough for people to come out and say their story. But right when you just said something um, about the fact that they say they don't want to talk, why do you think that is? People are, are just – they think you're going to make fun of them. I think that's what the whole – that's is. just solely what it is. Well, I don't think it's solely. Some people try, are fakers. They're going right. to call up with, with a uh, a BS story and get you all jacked up about it, and uh, then you'll spend time and money and you know research it and get a lot of people out doing something like that, and it's all for nothing. Um, one of my one of my people up in in uh, Maine, he had a 17 year old neighbor that came to him and told him about a uh, bipedal wolf that came to his uh, kitchen window was scratching on the window uh, two nights in a row. And he was one of my members at the time and uh, in the other organization. And he told me about it and, and he goes, I'm going to go and investigate it. And he was at the, this kid's house a couple of times. And then he went and spoke to the kid's uh, father and the kid's father says, he never told me that. And then the kid came out and said, Oh, I was just joking around. So you see, you're going to have people like that out there, too, you know, just fakers. And we don't like to deal with that. I don't I don't blame you. So tell me when you tell me your um, how do I want to ask it? Tell me how you go about when you get a piece of evidence in front of you. How do you go about in your research to finding out if that's true or or just the, you know, finding out the details about it. What's your usual way of investigating something? Well, first of all, I'll send a, a reply back to the person. Uh, sometimes they will include a telephone number, so I'll talk to them on the phone. But generally, I send them a reply back, and I'll ask them if I can speak with them, either on the phone or like we're doing right now. You know, a uh, video conference is the best way, uh, because Due to my background, I can watch the person and I can listen to their voice, inflection in their voice, and, and I could tell right away, is this BS or is it not? There's a whole slew of questions that I personally have made up here that I will ask the person. And I'll listen to their story first. 
And a lot of times people don't give certain aspects of that story. And it sort of makes me feel like, well, this could be BS at this point. Uh, I'll be honest with you, uh, Jeremiah Fountain and I, we have a Sunday show podcast show that we do. We had a guest on a while back and we just canned the whole show because he started talking and then he started getting into other stuff that I knew was pure BS. He started to get into an area where I am an expert in. In cryptozoology, you have no experts. But he got into other areas that I am an expert in. Uh-huh. And I I talked to Jeremiah right after that show right away. And I and I pointed it out to him. And he goes, he goes, you know, I had written down stuff myself. <laughs> and he goes, I was going to ask you about it. And I was rattling it off. And we talked about it and we just canned the whole show. So the fact that the whole show was a waste. It was a wasted hour and a half trying to interview this person. Oh, they started wow. out okay, but then BS. And at that point, I'm glad that we did a pre-recorded show. Generally, we'll record it on a Sunday and he'll have it all set up and we'll put it out there on a Monday or a Tuesday at the latest. But see, you'll catch this every once in a while. Um, the IDP, we're a no-kill organization, number one, but you are allowed to go out in the forest and come back safely. So there's certain things that I tell people that you need to be you know, self-aware of your surroundings, of what's going on, and you need to take certain things with you to protect yourself. That's number one. And number two, we are a research and field investigation organization. Okay, so research meaning books, the internet, libraries, newspapers, field investigation, boots on the ground, go out there. And just to fully answer your question, though, I will video conference with people. I'll talk to them on the telephone. If they don't want to do any of that stuff, I'll correspond with them and I'll ask certain questions and I'll go over their answers to see if it's worthy of getting a team together and going to that area and seeing what's out there. You know, sometimes they'll send me pictures with all circles on it and everything. And I have a... uh, I have software and I'll blow it up to giant proportions and, and look at it and I don't see a thing. So (laughs) I'm here to prove or to disprove. Okay. And some of it, a lot of the stuff I can disprove because a lot of the stuff is just a, an owl sitting on a branch 10 feet off the ground. Right. And as you know, animals have this chemical in their eyes that glow at night. Right. And add to that a little bit of a flashlight and the eyes are glowing and this thing is 10 feet off the ground and owls can make all kinds of crazy sounds by the way so oh yes i've i've gone through where um i wanted to know i've been researching because where i live at on 488 acres and it's Mm -hmm. in eastern tennessee the paranormal bubble as they call it Mm. i've been actually researching all the different animals i go onto youtube try to find the sound you know so that way when I start going through the woods this spring and summer, then I, I have an awareness of what's around me, you know, what the animals are, what their calls are. So, you know, I can be picky and choosy first. Mm. Now, what are some of the most compelling pieces of evidence that you've come across in your research, Nick? Well, claw marks on a tree. And um, you can tell the difference between especially on the East Coast where you have brown, uh, black bear, 
and not so much brown bear. Brown bear are all the way up north and also west and central. So around here, when you see a claw mark, that's, if you can see my hand this close. I can see. That's a, that's a black bear. You see claw marks that are wider than my fingers. On okay. A that's a dog man. Because okay. A, a black bear, their claws are only about as big as a human hand. Okay. Now, uh, a dog man, his, his digits are, are, they're out. They're spread out. So you will see anywhere from four to five, if they put the thumb in there, on the tree. Uh, also, some compelling evidence would be, you know, people's eyewitness accounts of it. And uh, if they get a photograph of it from like the side or the back, because these things are, you mentioned something in the beginning about them. You, you feel, you know, like they're, they're partially paranormal and stuff like that. I have, I have my ideas on that because our research just, just recently, Jeremiah and I, our research have, have really brought up some good uh, answers to some of the questions out there. But to, to finish my answer, also footprints, footprints, and you're, you're going to see a footprint that's, uh, there's two different types of footprints, okay? One with a heel and one with no heel. And that's because certain dogmen have knees that are like yours, like a, yours and mine, you know, human type knees that are going, yeah. you know, forward. And some of them have the legs where they go back. I've seen a picture like of German that. Shepherds. They will have smaller prints. Smaller okay. Smaller. And also those prints are going to have nail marks. If you've ever seen a, say, a brown bear print, for instance, you'll see the, the digits, but you're also going to see the nails in there. Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. Sasquatch, you'll see the digits and then a curved nail in the front. So it's going to look like a funny digit. The digit's not going to be round. The front is their nails are cur or curling over. And in a lot of the, the uh, footprints that people have taken castings of, of Sasquatch, for instance, You'll see that it, it's a common theme for, for the Sasquatch footprints, but for the dogman footprints, it's more like a bear footprint, a, okay. a brown bear footprint that is because they're bigger. Yet they're a brown bear is about this wide. Uh, dogman's going to be more like a human footprint, except maybe 12 to 18 feet, 18 inches. I'm sorry, 18 inches long, along with the nails in there. You know, so tough. do they have pads at all, Nick, then? There are pad marks. Okay. It's there mostly seen marks. mostly seen in the ones with the hawks going back like German shepherds. Mm -hmm. um, I've got a lousy. i got to make a better one than this. I guess my printer ran out of ink a while ago. But there's a different type of dogman. Right, let me see if I can get that up here. Oh, I see it. Okay. But all the different ones, if I can get that across. Oh, wow. Like like this one here and this one here this this one here has the uh hawks and okay. so does this one here okay the hawks. other ones have the have the knees you know like a human so you're going to find the different prints and you're going to wonder why why does this one only have like a a seven inch print and that's because it has the the knees going like in the hawk version like a german shepherd and then you have the other ones that go like a human going forward. So that's, that's why you're going to have the different type of prints. This is, this is evidence that has been collected over the last 20 years or so that I've seen pictures or castings of. Okay. 
So I mean, now that's where we are they. What are they made of? Are are you thinking? Are they a a humanoid of 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 so? I mean, like what are what do you think their DNA is made up of? I'm glad you asked that question. Um, first of all, their DNA, I believe. Uh, first of all, our DNA is a double helix, and you have the DNA in that within that double helix. What separates us as humans from animals and from dogman and Sasquatch is that we don't have certain parts of DNA that they do have. In other words, we have less in our double helix makeup of DNA than the animals do. That's what makes them the animals. So it's less, not more. Okay. Now, people think we would we should have more because we're smarter and you know our mobility and all this and that. No, it's because we have less. This is pure science. That's what we're talking about. This is unrefutable science. Okay, good. All right. So that's one. But I'm glad you asked that question because what you what you came out with in the beginning, I have some thoughts on because Jeremiah and I have done a lot of research. We've gotten in a lot of information on. Um, you know how like when you'll people will say we'll re report a Sasquatch and the footprints end in the center of a field and there's no trees around, but the footprints end right there. And same thing with a dog man, they'll see them and you know, I'll get a report, it climbed the tree and then suddenly it's gone. Right. Okay, pure science now, okay, pure science. Physicists, quantum physicists have proven, and people can look this up and it's in books, this is science, that there are 11 different dimensions. Okay, so there's, that's proven, number one, okay? Number two, we're gonna explain how, possibly how, Dogman, Sasquatch, Mothman, Frogman, or any of these other ones out there, how they're there suddenly and then suddenly they disappear. Well, okay. they probably have a way to turn their bodies uh, camouflage, opaque, when they turn sideways. But also, you got to understand that these creatures vibrate at a certain type of, well, let's put it this way, their energies vibrate at a certain type of speed. You and I vibrate at a certain type of speed. They're probably from another dimension and they're using portals to fully answer the question to go from here and then suddenly they're gone. Right. That's the only way I can answer having footprints of a Sasquatch in the middle of a field and then no more. Right. How is it? Here's another answer to it though. It's possible. There's, there's my, here's my other possibility. It's possible they're from an alien race. And as in Star Trek, they got beamed up. Now they could be the aliens or they could be the forward soldiers of the aliens checking us out. Or maybe they're here and they can't get off the planet, but they have spaceships orbiting around because there's so many UFOs sighted. I have uh, chills right now because yeah. everything that you're saying is what I have believed all along. Like I literally have chills, Nick, because I can't believe that you just said what I've been thinking this whole time. Well, you know oh what it gosh. is? We have a large conglomerate of people out there that are, you know, sending in information we're researching it out there like crazy you know all the time 
and we're trying to put the pieces together. People are getting these bits and pieces, but they're not sticking them together. Now, I did a survey. It was a six-month survey of people that saw Dogman uh, sightings now. Dogman and Sasquatch over a six-month period of time. And they either saw an, a lighted object in the sky, an, an orb in the sky before, after, or before and after their sighting. Now, putting two to two together, what was this all about? Is that their portal that they were going after? Or was that a spacecraft? Because when they took off to the right, suddenly they're totally gone. Oh, did they go gosh. up or did they go through a portal? Now, right. they vibrate. Sarah, here's an important thing that people got to write down. They vibrate right. at a different <laughs> speed than we do. And I've got more to that, to this too, by the way. Uh, but let's get through with this one here. They vibrate at a different speed. Now, suddenly, they're able to vibrate at a, a different speed altogether and go through that portal. And that's it. They're gone. Now, here's something else that's scientific fact. You and I can only see 10% of the visible light spectrum. How do I know that there's another 90%? How do I know that on over your right shoulder, people are, are creatures from another dimension are not standing behind you right now, but you just can't see them and I can't see them because you and I can't see that other 90% of the, of the light spectrum. This is pure science. This is not something I can make up. This is something I've read about, something on the internet. It's in science books. We can only see 10% of the light spectrum. Now, you go to the sporting goods store and plop down $4,000 and you get thermal binoculars, you know, like the um, special forces guys have. Now you're able to see in a different area, another part of the light spectrum. Or say you get the cheaper ones that use infrared. The infrared beam shoots out there and the lenses that you have on, because these are these are only like $200 nighttime goggles, the infrared goes out there and the lenses that you have on are lighting it up. There's another part of the spectrum that you're seeing, but you're still only seeing like 15% of the spectrum. There's still 85% missing. How do we know that they're not here looking at us, they can't touch us because they're vibrating at a different speed than we are and they're out there. Is that that, um, what's that word? Um, people say that when they have a Bigfoot encounter, infrasound, does that have something to do with it, Nick? No, no. Infrasound. No, that's different. Infrasound, okay. you can, I can tell you how to get an experience of infrasound without seeing a cryptid. Go to a zoo where they have a large tiger and get close to his cage. The roar that he puts out, that's infrasound. He's okay. saying, get back. You're threatening my area. That roar goes through you and actually shakes you up to your core if you've ever experienced that. I, I have friends of mine, I have fellow researchers out there that have had uh, experiences with Bigfoot and they were hit with infrasound. And okay. one, one of these gentlemen, he was knocked to the ground on two different occasions and he was knocked out for over five minutes. Oh my God. Okay. That's what infrasound, infrasound is actually sort of a weapon. Now, there's another thing that they use. Dogman uses it and Sasquatch uses it more. It's called MindSpeak. And what you and I were talking, I don't know if we were on the air at the time, but we were talking about it. 
where a hunter suddenly comes upon a Sasquatch who's about 30, 40, 50 feet away. He lifts up his rifle and the Sasquatch uses mind speak and says, you shoot at me. And he sends him a threat, you know, and I'm, uh, going, to okay. take, I'm going to take your life. That's, that's going to be the end of you. So, so it's like a telepathic rifle. in some way. Yes, telepathic. Now, people have had uh, different people out there, uh, Bigfoot researchers who only do Bigfoot. They've had encounters and experiences with, with Bigfoot out there. And they've spoken back and forth. Now, remember, just like I showed you the seven different types of dog, man, mm-hmm. there's 11 different types of Sasquatch that we know of so far. There might be more. Okay. And some are some are not aggressive. Some are very aggressive. Some are easily spooked. Some are not easily spooked. Some are friendly. Some have helped humans. Uh, there's a couple of stories out there where, well, there's this one story I read last year. This three-year-old girl, somehow she and her parents and aunts and uncles and other cousins were in the woods and she walked away into the forest. She got lost three days. They finally found her. She was actually brought back to that same area. And the little girl said, oh, the bear, bear, bear fed me, bear fed me, the bear fed me. I think she was closer to four years old, but she was like three and three quarters or whatever. And she oh was able God. to verbalize that the bear fed her and took care of her. It was no bear that took care of her. I'm sorry. No. They don't do that. No. Uh-huh. If oh anything, it would have eaten her. You know, so, I mean, the wow. mind speak, the infrasound, all that stuff. People have actually experienced it out there. And like I said, people can go to the, people should go to the zoo to see what real animals look like. I mean, go check, go to a zoo who who have a, a Kodiak bear or a brown bear that's eight feet tall when he stands up, okay? That eight thing would not tall? feed a three-year-old girl. <laughs> no, but, but <laughs> so. I mean, go to the zoo just to know, you got to know what a real animal is before you're going to tell me that you saw a cryptid. Because there's a big difference in the facial features of a bear versus the facial features of a Sasquatch, for instance or a dog man. But I mean, if you're out there in the woods, be careful what you're out there trying to search for because it might find you. And it might just not be a Sasquatch or a dog man. It might be a, a big brown bear. It might be, uh, wolves generally don't mess with people, but coyotes do, they'll attack you. Right. It could be a wild boar. I mean, look look at Oklahoma right now, parts of Missouri, they're having a problem out there. Those wild boar are, are just, you know, populating the area like crazy so i mean these things will attack you so what what's um i was just going to ask you a question about something we just said oh but how do you think the fact that in your mind and in your research you know there's a dog man but we have skeptics out there but how do you think proving the existence of dog man will change people's understanding about our natural world. Oh God. All I can say is when that day happens, <laughs> when that day happens, uh, people are going to think twice about doing a lot of things. Do you uh, think that that's why the government really hasn't come out and say, said that there's an alien race? Because you know how people say, um, I know a couple friends of mine, they're skeptics with the whole alien thing. 
when when I say look at this UFO picture that's caught. Oh, that's not real. Well, first of all, you're putting that these are the same thing. A UFO and an alien is not the same thing. Once you start understanding that, then you're going to, you know, start understanding what I'm asking you. A UFO is an unidentified flying object. It doesn't mean that there's always an alien that's going to be porting that ship. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what do you just, what do you think? Why, why isn't the government just coming out and saying that there's, cryptids that there's proof of an alien race that yes these are ufos that maybe some of them are uf are are made by the government but let's be honest there, there has to be some that were made from a different race from a different planet but why mm. do you think they're just not coming out with that can we not handle the truth <laughs> i think it, it's well but the truth handling the truth is number two but number one it's money. You tell people that you've got Sasquatch, you've got Dogman, Frogman, and whatever, uh, Skunk Ape running around, and you, the government comes out and says, yes, they're real. All right? They're real. They're out there in the forest. I mean, you're in Tennessee. Are you near LBL by any chance, Land Between the Lakes? I was just, that's the question I was just about All to right. ask you that All I right, forgot well, earlier. Well, we'll get through this <laughs> first, though. But I've been there. And I'm going to tell you, when you, I've been in the Kentucky side, as soon as you go in there, there's a canopy above you and it's dark and it's has an ominous feel to it. And you're like, what the heck's going on here? How come everything's quiet? You go outside your vehicle, you're walking around certain places like Nickel Cemetery. There's not a sound, not even bugs making a sound. The bugs are flying around, yes, but there's nothing. I didn't see one rabbit. I didn't see one squirrel. I didn't see one deer over there. Why? You know, it's simply there's something that's area. rolling that forest over yeah, there. Something simply down there. Now, that section that, that I went to, that's partially Dogman and Dogman and Sasquatch don't play well together, so they kind of stay away from each other. Mm, okay. Uh, but you know, when you're you tell people that there are there's such a thing and you showed them pictures and they're not going to want to go into the forest anymore or a park you know yellowstone national park i mean suddenly the millions and millions of dollars that they get to keep the park open they're not going to get that money anymore and people are not going to go there and buy souvenirs and spend money you know to take tours and the like people are not being going to be That's going true. into the wooded area anymore they're going to be fearing for their lives and the ones that do go in there, they're going to go in there with high-powered rifles and shoot at anything and anything that, you know, everything that moves. And most likely, if they do hit a Sasquatch or Dogman, they're going to get torn apart because they don't travel alone. And most likely, they might shoot another human being. And, of course, you have your, your really silly people out there that dress up in wolf costumes and Sasquatch costumes oh, and run around the woods. Which is a dumb thing to do because what happens if somebody gets scared and they shoot you? Right. So yeah. that's what I was going to ask you earlier about the LBL. That story about the people in the 80s that camped out there right. and that there's a, a a theory that they were killed by Dogman. Do you find that to be true in your research? I wasn't able to interview the people that were there 
on the site that day, but I was able to interview the lady, the lady's daughter who owned the, how could I put it, the luncheonette. Okay. The police officers would come to every morning at 5.30 in the morning for coffee and donuts. All right. And two particular officers, after that, that whole horrific morning was over, they came there and sat down on this bench that I actually got to sit down and interview this lady's daughter because the lady's passed away now. And she said, I mean, she was much younger then. And she said, you know, she heard the whole thing. These two officers were in shock. What they saw, it was terrible. The father's arm was torn off. The mother was torn to shreds. The, the little boy, he was torn to shreds. The little girl was found about 200 yards away up in a tree. Okay. Now people say, oh, it was probably a bear. No, because once again, and I should backtrack a little bit. I have taken two different diploma courses in cryptozoology, but currently, and for the past four and a half years, I've taken zoology, got a bachelor's of science in zoology. I'm looking for a master's in zoology. I know for a fact that no, it wasn't a bear. Yeah, the bear could tear the father's arm off, but a bear is not going to take the little girl up a tree. Okay. Now people say, well, it could have been a mountain lion because a mountain lion takes its prey up a tree, but the mountain lion wouldn't tear the father's arm off. And the mother put up a heck of a fight inside that trailer that they had. They had a tow, uh, a tow home that they had uh, one of these um, aerodynamic things that they towed behind their car. And she died in there and she put she up one fought. heck of a fight. Yeah. And oh. the little boy was torn apart. Um, you know, that that's not something that a mountain lion would do. You know, go in there and then, you know, it wouldn't tear off the father's arm, first of all. You know, so there's a lot of things to the case that don't lend themselves to regular animals as we know them. Okay, so that's why I ask people, you know, before you, you know, make a comment on something, study how the animals live, how they kill, what they do, you know, and... Well, there was, that. not to interrupt you, I'm sorry, Nick, but Go there ahead. was a story um, that, well, theory, I should say, that someone thought it was a jaguar or a puma of something mm -hmm. like that, that's like a panther, uh -huh. So is that, I mean, I, I'm, don't they kill the same way as mountain lions? Yeah. The problem is they're not going to uh, tear the, the father's arm out of the socket as he right, was found. Okay. I mean, none of it made sense to me that it would tear his arm off, run inside and rip apart the mother and kill the little boy, grab the little girl, because I guess she smelled better, and take her up a tree to eat her later. And she was found torn apart up in a tree. And when one of the sheriff's officers walked out in the, in the wooded area, I guess following a blood trail, he saw drippings. I guess he had some drippings on him and looked up and there was a little girl in the tree. Oh, my God. Now, neither of these officers were the ones that found her, but they did see this. And they related the story to this young lady's mom, you know, the, the one that ran the luncheonette. And they were having their coffee. And I mean, they were just devastated. These two officers were devastated. They never saw such horrible human carnage, 
Carnage, yeah, perfect word for it. Happened. So it's like it's it's like something else. Yeah, I, I can't put another animal to that, you know. And other people say, oh, it could have been a pack of coyotes. Yeah, it could have, but they wouldn't. But take, still, not the they tree. They don't go no. up in any trees. And they're gonna rip the arm right out of the man's socket either. Maybe tear it out, you know, biting it flesh-wise, but that's not how it was found. That's it a was strong found animal. Yeah, extremely strong. So that's so, why you know, cryptids are out there. And that to answer your question, if, if you knew that you were going to go in a forest and, you know, one out of a thousand times you might yeah. get grabbed. I mean, look at the missing 411. Right? I was just about to ask you, that's on my notes right here. I was oh, just good. about to ask you, do you think that a lot of the missing people in the U.S., being that there's like, I think, what, 600 and some thousand a year people that go oh, missing, yeah. um, do you think any of them are re- could be related to any cryptid, dogman, mothman, anything, or... Or do you think that there's just one that would be more responsible? My fellow researcher and I, Jay, and Jeremiah, Jay, uh, he and I were discussing this a couple months back because we were comparing notes. And I think think 50% of it, I'm going to throw towards 50% of the missing people is human trafficking. Uh, I'm going to throw a state at you, okay? And you're going to say, wow. In the mid, right in the mid uh, center of our country, mm-hmm. Idaho, one of the worst human trafficking states in the United States, oh, if wow. not the worst. <clears throat> now, just look why, because it goes straight up into Canada. They could cross a border, go to Western Canada, and then go over to Africa, the Ar- Ar- Arabic countries. You know, they, they can go across the Pacific from there. Okay. Nobody's going to bother them. There's human trafficking right there. Uh, number two, people do get lost. But, geez, I'd say 85% of the time, they're going to get found. Because if it's an animal, a bear, a coyote, uh, a pack of coyotes, a pack of wolves, uh, buzzards, they might eat the flesh and the organs and the bones even. I mean, you know, deer will eat bones because they go for the calcium and the minerals. Oh, I but, didn't know that. Oh, yeah, definitely. If you think these little deer, oh, they're out there just eating the grass and the leaves and stuff. They they know human, you know, it's not human nature, but animal nature, just regular nature, tells them, oh, look at the bones have calcium in it. It has minerals. They'll chew on that. Uh, but what I was trying to get at is, if the person was killed by some sort of a known animal, Okay, first it's going to go for the organs and the eyes, and then for the rest of the body and the bones. Nothing's going to be left, but they're wearing hiking boots. They're carrying guns sometimes. They have clothing. Animals are not going to eat your clothing. Yep. They're not going to eat your rubberized boots. Um, when I go out with my team into the woods, we wear um, gaiters, Kevlar gaiters, so that, and, and eight-inch boots. Because if a snake shoots out, <laughs> a snake's generally going to hit you from, from four inches to six to seven inches off the ground. And oh, we right. want it to hit the Kevlar gator. And then if it goes through that, which it usually can't do, it'll hit the boot. And it's not going to hit you then. I mean, because there's every there's a lot of things out there that want to kill you or harm you. And it's not necessarily a dog man or a Sasquatch. Right. But like I was saying, 
you're going to find something if a person gets attacked by an animal. You are going to find a gun stock. If they went missing and fell down a hole, they uh, fell into the water and drowned and they're under the water, there are cadaver dogs out there that can smell them under the water. Right. I mean, that's a fact. Here's another scientific fact. You know, here you want me to talk spooky paranormal and cryptozoology, but there's nothing spooky about finding a person that just went missing, mm-hmm. you know, and we have the science to find them. Plus, you're going to have 50, 100, 200, sometimes 400 people out there search and rescue helicopters using thermal imaging, using all kinds of different science to try to find them. The tracking dogs that they use are phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Like I said, the cadaver dogs, they'll smell you down a hole. They'll smell you in the water. They'll but find you. With with bringing in Missing 411, because I did watch both of his um, documentaries that he re- or that he did. Do you feel there is something in place supernatural? How always there seems to be a weather event. You know, there seems to be like there was one. I don't know who the guy was, so my apologies for it. But the guy that was on a mountain, they found his clothes here a mile down the side of the mountain. His book bag a mile down the side of the mountain. Again, there's a tree with his boots and another thing sitting up nicely and they couldn't find them. What what animal does that? You know, so I mean, you could tell that there's something <laughs> weird there. But do right. you think, from what that missing 411 gentleman says, that there's a profile of certain things that happen when somebody's missing? Do you think there's something in play there? Well, I was giving you percentages, okay? Human trafficking, 50%. Um, you know, animal attacks, I'd say give it another. 20 percent uh then you have your i i guess for a better name murderers serial killers you know grabbing people but if they do that if it's a serial i mean for you know we got to get the whole thing in here and then let me let me jump to the end and i'll jump back to the serial killer thing uh another i would say about 15 percent are cryptid dogman sasquatch if it's sasquatch they're going to take you away Full, your whole body, your clothes, everything to a cave, eat you, cook you, whatever, whatever they do with you. I don't know. But that's it. You're missing now. Throw you over the shoulder and you're gone. Totally gone. Now, if it's a, a murderer, you know, some killer out there, serial killer, you're still going to find some blood. If they stabbed you, shot you, punched you, you know, did something to you, there's going to be some sort of skin possibly in the area maybe some sort of evidence, you know, unless they were so good that they snuck up behind you, knocked you in the head, threw you over the shoulder. But still, even if you're a, what, 115-pound woman, you're heavy. You're 115 pounds. Right. This guy's got to tramp you out of the woods. You know, what is he going to do with you? The murderer might take you to a cave and do nasty things and cut you up and blah, blah, blah. But then again, you're going to be found sooner or later. Right. You know, and the clothing is going to be found. One of my researchers, my fellow researchers, and he's one of my admins uh, from the IDP up in Ohio. Uh, I had him, we interviewed him on the show and it was just heartbreaking because he found a woman that was missing and he found parts of her clothing and her skeletal system that was down near a creek. 
and he went out to get the police. And by the time the police had, you know, come back the next day, things were gone. You know, and he knows what he saw because he had two other people with him. And they also, you know, told the police, hey, look, we saw this there. Somebody must have come back and seen us in the area and taken it away. Now, they found footprints in the area and they uh, they took uh, prints of what these gentlemen were wearing. And they took that out of the equation and it showed that there was other footprints there after them. So it's possible that the murderer came back. So we're talking about human trafficking, murderers, cryptids, people just getting eaten up by animals and people having accidents. You know, if it's the case of a cryptid and they can go to another dimension, God help those people. Oh, I know. Could, I people. couldn't even imagine. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, you also have to think that aliens could be responsible, too, yeah. of some of them, you know, mm -hmm, because yeah. there's many abduction stories. Now, granted, some people apparently come back because they've we only know about the abduction story because they came back and they told it right. like Benny and Barney Hill, Travis Walton, you know, the big names. Right. But um, well, I want to move on to a different cryptid because um this one is it's 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 known by the name but still not a lot of evidence at least that i've come across so the new jersey devil oh, i live in new jersey and i've investigated That's what I thought. <laughs> i've investigated the jersey devil for over six years i've been down at the pine barrens with full team a full team of seven guys fully kitted up uh and I've also been north, south, east, and west throughout the country because I don't just do dogman. I do all the cryptids. Any reports I get that are viable, heck, I want to go investigate it. Right. I've been over into Mexico way back when. I've been up into Canada. Um, but the Jersey Devil is one of those things where I, I've told you my mantra was to prove or disprove. And I got a lot of, I don't want to call it hate mail, but nasty mail from people when I, I told another gentleman on a, on a different podcast what I found. Uh, we're trampling through the areas that we have been trampling through for years. We found footprints that we've either certified was possibly the Jersey Devil or not the Jersey Devil. Now, remember what the Jersey Devil looks like or is certified to look like. People have said, uh, like a horse's head, a bat, bat like, wings. Yeah, with bat wings, <laughs> a bat skinny body, skinny legs. Um, long story short, we're out there, the seven of us, uh, spread out in a diamond formation, and we must have entered this gentleman's property. And he came up to one of my guys and said, Hey, what, what are you guys doing? Are you, you guys military? You're dressed like you're military. And he said, Here, let me let the boss come and talk to you. So I went over and talked to him, and I said, we're cryptozoologists and we're dressed like we are because, you know, it's a lot easier for us to see each other and we work together all the time. Mm -hmm. And knowing full well that we could be attacked by a, you know, a black bear, uh, a coyote. And don't think that mountain lions are not in New Jersey and New York because mountain lions just don't stick down to the southwestern part of the country. They're all over the place. Um, just to skip real quick, when I was in Moscow, Maine on a dogman field investigation, 
we found footprints, big footprints of a mountain lion up there in Moscow, Maine. We're talking about all the way up there in the cold parts of the country. Mm-hmm. So it's not so unusual to think that you might not have one traveling around in South New Jersey. Long story short, this gentleman, he a light bulb goes off in his head because I could see it in his eyes. He goes, I want to show you guys something. Since you're looking for the Jersey Devil, I want to show you something. Plus, I have a question for you, and I have a deal for you. He takes us to his barn next to his house. He's got, he has quite a few acres in that area. He, we go in there, and he's got a refrigerator, a side refrigerator, not the kind up and down, but sideways, that you open up. It's a chest type. Inside that refrigerator, he had a... 36 to 38 inch long animal that was dead and it looked just like what the Jersey Devil has described to be. I took pictures of this and I knew I saw it someplace. It was a horse bat. How do horse bats get here from other countries? Well, <laughs> the, the lore of the Jersey Devil, for instance, and of people that have been I guess I got lost. Nope, you're there. I'm here. I can't even see myself anymore, but okay. Um, you have uh, Napoleon Bonaparte's uh, brother that mm-hmm. lived in New Jersey, and he brought exotic animals over here. So how is oh. this? How, how possibly is this? Right? So you've had people over the years bringing exotic animals over from Europe, over from Africa over from all over the world. This thing that he showed us, Pharaoh, was a horse bat. Now, it's something people can go online. There's a a very well-known picture of a gentleman holding a horse bat by the scruff. And that particular horse bat is about 40 inches long from the top of its head to the bottom of its feet. They grow very large. So there you go. So it is true? (laughs) It looks like the Jersey Devil. Every picture I've seen that's been drawn of the Jersey Devil with the horse face and the bat-like wings. Yeah. Just like a horse bat. <clears throat> Some people will call it a cow bat. Some people call it a horse oh bat. Oh, my God. I, I really got to take a picture of it and print it out so I can show this when I talk to people about it. Oh, my gosh. That is amazing. I honestly, of course, I always want to believe in something. But I, I tend, like I said, I want to always be skeptical, even though I mm. want an open mind. But, um, you know, when you hear the lore of, oh, it was a lady back in the 17 or 1800s that gave birth to this thing mm-hmm. that, you know what I mean? I didn't there's believe it from stories, that. There's by the way. <laughs> there's, there's a story of Mrs. Leeds, who we, Leeds, we hear yes. about. But across the river from Mrs. Leeds, her town is called Leedsville. And there was a lady there that was reported to be a witch. And who had several children, and she gave birth to, uh, you know, this creature. Oh. So there's there's two different stories if you really research it. Like I said, you look at the newspapers, the microfilm, microfiche, way back when, and you'll see back in the 1700s where this other story was there too. So here here's once again, I try to prove or disprove. Uh, we we try. If I'm going to track something down and I find it, like my experience was not just a sighting. It was an encounter. 
because right. it stood there about 30 feet away from me. And its right hand, right arm came up to its mouth a couple of times with the deer part that it had in its hand and took a bite out of it. It was over a minute that it stood there and I'm looking at this thing. And it did not even look at me. It, to me, no mind speak, nothing like that. To me, it felt like I'm the apex predator. And this thing can't hurt me. So I'm just going to do what I want to do. You leave, not me. Oh After about God. a minute and six, minute and 10 seconds, it walked off into the wooded area and I could hear it. So it wasn't a spirit, Sarah. It was real. It had to eat. It smelled. Now, you asked me when I talk to people, you know, you know, I ask them questions. Yeah, there's one of the questions that I ask right at the end because I'm listening. Most people don't tell you that they, they had an odor when they had this experience with the dog man. It smelled of blood and urine. The dog man Ooh. itself. That's what it smelled like. And it was an awful smell. When I went to LBL, Kentucky with DA Roberts, we had we had we didn't see anything, but we heard in the distance near the nickel cemetery something, and that odor permeated the air. So I I'm saying to myself and I'm saying to him, um, there's something out there. You know, and oh most likely God. it's a dog man. But that's this thing just walked away. Now I don't care what people say. Oh, there's no such thing as a dog man. Okay. That's what you think. You're not going to tell me and you're not going to convince me. Right. That I didn't see what I saw. I know what a black bear looks like. And black bear do not get to be over seven and a half feet tall. I came back to this park area. And I came back with my six other uh, fellow partners out there all kitted up. And I measured the stop sign that this creature was next to. And it measured 7-7 seven, seven to my mind's eye. Because when I was looking at the top of its head, I looked where it was on the stop sign. It wasn't a, a regular DOJ, you know, uh, DO, you know Department of Transportation, rather, uh, stop sign. It was a mm. stop sign put up by the park. Okay. So the, the bar that went straight up was about eight feet tall. The stop sign was all the way up because you had bushes below it. Um, chained to this stop sign was a bicycle a young a girl's bicycle small girl and that's the whole reason why i stopped because i thought that this bear at the time i thought it was a bear was eating a human or was harming a human and i was there to help you know because oh, wow. of my background in police and paramilitary it's in my brain that i'm going to help you know so that's why i was there i went back the next morning with my whole team and the bicycle was still there chained. And we tried to track this out. Now, mind you, remember we were talking about the orb in the sky before, after, or before and after? Yep. Yes. Well, after it walked away, I checked my six figure and it's going to go around me. And I got, as I'm getting into my car, I saw an orb about 120, 140 feet away in the direction that it was walking. Oh, so my I saw gosh. An orb in the sky. So it's like, here I'm trying to grab all these bits and pieces, and I have all these notebooks here and everything filled with with uh, ideas and stories from people and and tidbits here and there. It's possible this dog man walked off because I heard its feet crackling on the twigs 
and walking through the leaves. And that was the end of it. I didn't go running after it. I mean, what am I going to do with this thing? You know, I'm just watching. And I was satisfied it wasn't eating a human. It was eating a deer. Have you, how many times, Nick, have you got the feeling when you've been out boots on the ground researching, do you feel like you're the prey? Like, have you ever, how many times have you gone out in the woods and been like, I feel like there's something watching me. I can feel it. Like, and, you know, something studying you. Well, I don't ever feel like the prey because I'm out there with a full team. And when I say kid it up, I mean pistols and rifles and other things. We have bear spray. I have electronic flashbangs. I have uh, lasers with me. If you want to look to the rear of me, uh, this is a (laughs) high-powered laser. You shoot this at somebody's eyes and you see what happens. Right. They will not be able to see. What I'm thinking is I'm going to attack whatever it is, all their senses, their eyes, their nose, their throat, their breathing with the bear spray. That's number one. We all okay. carry we all carry two large canisters of bear spray. Number one. Number two, I've got electronic flashbangs that will hit you in the ears with the decibels that it puts out. And it also flashes 1,200 uh, lumens. I also mm-hmm. have the laser that I just showed you. You shoot that at the eyes. Uh, the last thing we want to do is have to fire on something with a firearm. But we have 200 grain ammo in both the pistols and in the 308 rifles. And I don't know too much. If you could take down a large eight-foot you know, grizzly bear or brown bear with that, I, I'm sure that I'm going to do some – going to – you know, put down some real hate on a on a dog man if they attack us. We're all all extremely experienced, and we can hit things on the move. So right. that's the difference between Joe Hunter, who shoots things from a standstill, and they're shooting at things that are standing still, or they go to a target range and they shoot at paper targets that don't move. We practice all the time. Firing on the move at things that are moving. Got you. Well, so, that would be smart for so sure. So we don't feel like we're the prey. We're out there actually trying to investigate. But if something's going to attack us, we're going to defend ourselves. But we're not going to try to go out there, you know, just to kill something. Not at right. all. Right. Of course. No, I wouldn't expect that from you. But, but you know, a part of your question was probably, uh, did you ever feel like you're you're being watched? And yes, on many occasions we were being watched. But mind you, I usually go out with a team of seven. I'm part of that team. So there's seven of us out there. On a couple of occasions, I've went out with only two other fellows. And on one of those occasions in upstate New York, we didn't come across a dog man, but we did come across was a Sasquatch that actually threw a, an extremely large branch at us at 1.30 in the morning. Oh we were gosh. called to this lady's home because she was swearing up and down. She told our form, the uh, the founder of this other organization, uh, she called him up and was bugging him so much that he asked me, he says, listen, can you get up there and just, you know, help her out? So I can only got, I can only get two of my guys to go with me. It wasn't that far. It was a couple hour drive up from Jersey into upstate New York area where she was located. Mm-hmm. And it turned out not to be that, the reason why I say it was absolutely not a dogman is because the things this thing did on her property are not dogman-like. And this thing pulled 
four by fours that were sunk 42 inches in the ground out of the ground. Oh, she wow. Had, she, she had a, um, an, in, an enclosure next to her house that had four by fours in the ground, a gate in the front, a uh, chain link fence on the sides and on top. That's where she would put her garbage. Okay. This was definitely a Sasquatch because the Squatch is the only thing that's strong enough to do something like that. It got mad because she was feeding it every day. She left for four days to take care of her parents. She stopped feeding these things. You can give them prizes, little shiny objects, marbles, you know, uh, little trinkets, but you don't give them food. You do not feed Sasquatch. You stop, they get they get angry. And that's what happened in this case. Oh wow. She showed us a she showed us two pictures that she took out her back window towards the back of her property. Her property runs her backyard was 100 by 100. Clear. Okay. Uh, there was one tree stump in the back that was three feet off the ground. After they cut the tree, they left the stump. She used to put apples on there for the for, for the creatures. That's but why it got, they got the wrong they, creature. They got mad at her. <laughs> but she was taking pictures one night because she heard it outside. And she, she saw the movement. And to the rear of her property, she took pictures. And the eye shine was 15 feet off the ground. <sighs> Oh, my God. Now, Farah, there were no branches on this particular tree. The branches were all the way at the top, and this tree was about a good 35, 40 feet tall. There was no branches where I could say, oh, it was probably an owl or it was a raccoon. No. Where this thing was, we, we sent a tape measure up the side of the tree. The eye shine was approximately 15 feet off the ground. What we had here was an, an abnormally large squatch. I gave, yeah, we were walking around back there and we had a large tree branch about eight feet long thrown at us. That's one big. Of my, one of my guys who's, I mean, it was pitch dark out there and we, we had red headlights on. And one of my guys who's not a stumble bug at all, I mean, he's former special forces. He knows his way around a forest. He actually tripped on this thing. That's how close it was thrown to us. He injured his knee. We did first aid on him and carried him out. Oh and I gosh. gave it over to Jeremiah Fountain and his group because he's a Squatch researcher. And he lives in the New York area, the upper upstate New York. I gave it over to his group to take from there because we had 308 rifles and 10 millimeter pistols, but nothing like that's going to take down something like a 15 foot Sasquatch. Do you realize what something like that weighs? About 3,000 pounds? I, I was just going to say, that's like, that's a big, I've yeah. never heard of them being that a, big before. Well, it was also reported in Alaska by a very well-known Bigfoot researcher and author that he found a 15-foot squatch in Alaska. So this is the second one that I've, at, at least that I've heard about. I've heard of Sasquatch go 12 feet, you know, 13, but, but right. just, 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 just think about it. Something that's measuring the eye shine 15 feet off the ground, something that can wing a, a, an eight-foot tree branch at us uh, with such force, the bone density must be as thicker than thicker than my uh, blue yeti. I'm the, the way density. that I'm thinking about it. I don't understand how something can be that big, but yes, the force and the mm -hmm. strength that it has, I can't even imagine. I.
I can't imagine right. because all I can compare it to is a bear and that's bigger than a bear. That is. I mean, polar bear go up to like 12 feet. Oh yeah? my and gosh. this thing is bigger than a bear. Um, I don't know what growler bears would go up to. That's that's where Kodiak bears and polar bears mate, mm-hmm. you know, where, where they have tigers and lions and and the um, the offspring are like two or three times the size of the parents. Yeah. I think they're called ligers. Yes, ligers. Those right. those are big. So I, I think between a uh, a grizzly or a Kodiak and, and, a, and a polar bear, you would have a, a growler bear. And I can imagine what these things look like. But whatever whatever that hybrid would be, would be extremely dangerous to humans because polar bear are, you know, they'll, if they're hungry, they're going to come into where humans are. Right. You know, and they're going to rip into your supplies, rip into you, they'll eat humans. Do you but, know of anyone that has said that they've captured or not captured, but killed a Bigfoot? Uh, you know what? Like I said, I try to prove or disprove. And a lot of these people that when you start to talk to them or start to read the correspondences, it starts to get to points where they're talking BS. Yeah, they they elaborate too much. Yeah, I mean, a long time ago, back in the the 50s, there was a traveling circus where they supposedly had a Bigfoot that they used to travel around with, but it was encased in ice and nobody was able to, nobody was able to prove it. You know, they didn't want to defrost it to go get it. And to be very honest with you, it's not that I don't trust our government, but I don't in a way. A lot of my people that I've known over the years and a lot of people that have sent me correspondences have said, oh, I've gotten Sasquatch hair off of a fence line on my property. Because after all, if a Sasquatch is walking through your property, sometimes it's not going to leap over it's going to go right through your fence. This one guy had his had his, his entire chain link fence right down on the ground. He's like, what the heck could have done this? A rhinoceros? There's no rhinos in his area. So long story short, he is. took some hair samples. He gave it to friends of his who were into cryptozoology. They sent it to the Smithsonian, uh, you know, by via UPS. They had a sign for it and everything. Month goes by, two months, nothing. They contact the Smithsonian. The Smithsonian says, we don't have it. Wait oh. a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute here. UPS said, you, Joe, Joe Blow signed for it. You know, what do you say oh, to that? Well, Joe Blow don't work here. I'm sorry. I know people that were in my former organization that sent uh, parts that they thought were dogman parts to the Smithsonian. Uh, and they were never seen or heard from again. Never, and no, no, the parts were never seen or heard, and they denied it. Uh, they sent it to other governmental agencies. Nothing. They deny it. So, like we discussed in the beginning of the program, I don't think the government is ready to come out and say anything yet. How much do you think the government plays a part in experimenting with things like this? Because we all have yeah. heard of Montauk. Um, the other place, I think in New York and New Jersey, there was another place that was found like an old bunker area that was told to be where there were government experiments going on. But I had heard from someone recently, I'm not going to mention a name, but 
they had said that, um, you know, the military was doing some kind of injecting a male and female with bear and wolf DNA and then just dropping them off all over the world. And I just want to know, is, is, is our government responsible for some of these cryptids, do you think? Or do you think these are just natural that they've come from? They're a natural world, a different or a different world, or they came in through a portal. But how much do you think the government has their hands into things like this? I don't believe that our government does any experimenting of the such at all. I do not believe that at all. I'm connected with it okay. on, on many different fronts. And like I said at the beginning of the show, we had a dump, a whole program that Jeremiah and I did because the guy started to talk about an area where I am an expert in and I do have information on. And I'm going to categorically tell you no. And, and I'm not just some sort of flag flying patriot that say, no, our government doesn't do They do mind experiments and things like that. And uh, they use people that are supposed to be gifted to, to see, you know, events that have happened in the past and mm-hmm. possibly the future and things like that. Yes, they do stuff like that. But injecting uh, animal DNA into people, no. Trying to grow something, no. And I want to tell you something else. Say, for instance, they did try to grow a dog man. A dog man is an apex predator. Look at the thing. Seven feet plus tall, 600 plus pounds pure, ferocious muscle. If you've ever seen a wolf out there tearing into a, a deer, you would see on a smaller scale, right. you know, what, what these things can possibly do. A dog man with the claws, with the strength, with the power, the speed, mm. this thing, even if it had a collar on it, it would be thinking 24-7 how to get that collar off and to get away from you. Right. It would be shaming. It would not want to stay under your command and control. No way, no how. This is an apex predator, and it knows it. So right. I totally do not believe that this is some experiment by the government, and it's totally hogwash. People out there telling stories to these other podcasters. Oh, I'm a hunter for the government, and I hunted <laughs> them down. And yeah, BS. That's why I said I only want, Mm. you know, you'll see my episodes. I don't have many people come on like I I would rather if I am going to have someone on. Like I said to you earlier, Nick, it's going to be someone that has boots on the ground research. They've done it for a long time. They've weeded through the bullshit. So that's Mm. that's what I want to start at. Can Um, you imagine somebody saying I hunted a dog man and it came at me? (laughs) <laughs> and it was only a juvenile, so it was only six foot tall. <laughs> and I shoved my hand down its throat and ripped its tongue off. What a this story. was on the air. This was on the air. And it's like, you know, you were really giving cryptozoology a bad name. Yep. You know, and like when we were talking about the massacre in LBL, uh, people that, you know, they're like sketchy about it. Oh, believe, don't believe. Well, You know, there's other animals that are out there, like the Thunderbird, for instance, that we see drawings of. I'm trying to get to something now. That were once thought to be cryptids. The Komodo dragon. Yes. All right. There's only four islands in Indonesia that have Komodo dragons. They used to think these things, dragons don't exist. Okay, these things are huge. And they're fast. Right? And they've got huge claws. 
They've got smaller baby ones, but they grow up later on to be 12 footers and everything. But finally, this one captain from, I don't know where, what country, he landed, he killed a few, he, he captured one or two, and he took it back to the States. And suddenly, oh, a Komodo dragon. It's not a real dragon. It's a, it's a living, breathing animal. And let me give you one more before we move on. The panda bear. That was yes. thought to be a cryptid. Yep. 65 years after it was first seen, finally, this one cryptozoologist who was on safari with his wife, he dies. She stays two more weeks. She finds a baby panda bear and brings it back to New York. Mm. Panda bear, no longer a cryptid. So, you know. I just learned that recently about the story of the panda bear. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, I I couldn't believe that they were, but I can see where, especially back in the day. But um, before we close out, I want to pick your brain about portals. Oh. What's your what's your research found or have you really have you ran into one um, uh, or do you are they in certain places across the U.S. you know or across overseas too. But I mean staying in the U.S. have okay. you found any have what's your research shown. Nick? I personally have not found any but I have other researchers out there who have sworn that they found some. I've had two people relate to me on a video, their personal experiences with the type of portals. Um, I, I wanted to give you some information about the portals. Um, ley lines, a yes. lot of times when I'm, I'm given information on the portals, I'll use my, my pro version of Google Maps, zoom in on it, and sure enough, the portal was right on top of a ley line. Now what, what is a ley line you gotta say, right? There's energy flowing through these ley lines. Right. All right. And how do they get into the portals that we talked about in the beginning? These beings vibrate at a certain speed and they have a certain energy that they're able to pass through the portal. Um, uh, Jeremiah and I have interviewed a couple of people that had uh, a situation where they went into the portal, but were not able to pass through. They saw things inside like say the hallway of the portal the entrance right but that was it and they lost time they thought that well i've been in here 10 minutes and they had people outside the portal so, you know calling hey come on out come on out it was actually 45 minutes 50 minutes they lost time i've had a gentleman from australia he was in a boat he related this to me on a video conference he was in his boat fishing, which he does. He had been doing ever since he was a young boy with his father. Same river. He was going down this river. He lost all time, all sense of everything, because he didn't just go to the dock that he was trying to go to. He wound up five miles down the very same river at another dock. He had to call his wife to have her bring their vehicle to get his boat, get it out of the water and take it back. He lost a ton of time. Oh my he must gosh. Have went through a portal. So, you know, there's, I've gotten reports from people that I don't know about ley lines in, in the Australian case, but in the one in the USA, it was right on top of a ley line. And once again, what we're talking about is vibration, frequency, speed, 
energy, you know, what, what we're made of. And like I said, 11 different dimensions. It's proven by quantum physics. Okay, uh, you ever hear the string theory? All right, strings are smaller than atoms and electrons. Yet, they've discovered them. Okay, do we believe it? It's written in the books. You believe there's a Sasquatch out there? It's written in books. Mm -hmm. String theory, little tiny strings that are tinier than electrons. You know, and, and they're real. And they've proven it. And like I said, quantum physicists have shown 11 different dimensions. So it it just all goes in order here. The portal well, they must travel through. Let me ask you, when you said about the 11 different dimensions, so is that where spirit activity comes from? What level is, what dimension are spirits from? I can't answer you that one because I don't know. I got to be truthful with you. Yeah, no, no, it of could course. Be they could be one of the dimensions out there. And I don't know what these other dimensions look like, but maybe these other dimensions have people that look like us. Maybe these other dimensions have people that look, not people, but beings that look like Sasquatch or mm -hmm. beings that look like Dogman or both. Mm -hmm. I mean, so many people, so many people throughout the, the centuries have talked about, you know, Thunderbird, Dogman, uh, a jackal man, frog man, skunk ape. Chupacabra. I like the stories of the oh, chupacabra. I, I, I found one of those too. Prove or disprove? I disproved it. And I, you and disproved I took, it? I disproved it, right. What happened, I went across Nick? the border in uh, Chad Juarez, Mexico, back in 2010. I had a buddy of mine. Are, do you have enough time for this? It's a real yes. quick one. Okay. Yes. I went across the border. A buddy of mine lives in Texas. Uh, he speaks Spanish fluently. Is from my old unit, so he told me you got to get down here because we have a rancher who shot one and he has it. Went over the border, you know, with our passports and everything. Saw the gentleman. I'll give you the short form of the story. Um, he showed me a goat and a sheep that were killed by it. Yes, it was bit on the neck, and he says, "No, no blood, no blood." I asked him if he would allow me to cut open the belly of the sheep. I wanted to prove to him that there was blood inside that sheep still, that okay. it didn't get sucked out, okay? He wouldn't let me do it, but he did it. He cut it open. He says, see, no blood. I said, yeah, blood. Cut that artery right there. When your heart stops pumping blood, what happens to your blood? It, it gelatinizes, yep. coagulates, right? It's not going to run all over the place. Your heart stops beating. It's not going to keep pumping. All right, so it was there. It was gelatin. It was gelatinous material in the arteries. That's one. Number two, he showed me the so-called chupacabra. It was about 40, 42 inches long from the nose to the back. It had bluish skin, a ridge line from the top of the head all the way down the middle of the back mm -hmm. was about a half inch of hair. It had bluish skin. Now, this thing... I took a little sampling of it. I took it to a veterinarian that does DNA testing. It was part coyote, part wolf. Ooh. Okay. And also the chupacabra, this so-called chupacabra hybrid thing, it had a skin disease like so many chupacabras out there. And what the skin disease does, it no longer has the ability to hunt like it normally can, because it's miserable. 
the skin disease is driving this. Isn't that like mange or something? It's similar to mange, but on a different level. Okay. Now, what it does, it goes after prey that are easy. It's not going to go after rabbits. It's got to chase. It's not going to go after coyotes or deer. It's going to go after sheep, chickens, goats, and the like like that. Because they're not fast. A sheep is just going to stay there and bah, you know, and it's going to kill the sheep. Well, anyway, long story short, this gentleman shot one of them. And like I said, it was 40, 42 inches long. I got to take a sampling of it. And he's telling me, chupacabra, chupacabra. I said, no, I'll I'll check it out and I'll find out. And I did. I sent it to a veterinarian. I know that does DNA testing. Cost me a good 275 bucks, but that's when it (laughs) came back. So like I said, I try to prove or disprove. And uh, I'll leave Mothman for another program for if you want to do one in the future and you have other questions, but I would there you love go. To. Jersey devil and chubacabra. <laughs> I'm glad to know though, because the chubacabra has been one that's been stuck in my head because mm. it, there's so many different pictures of it and so of what it could be. So thank you for clearing that up. I hey, love real, how real quick, the mm. lady that reported it originally in Puerto Rico with the, the her description of a chubacabra, mm-hmm. she had just seen a movie with an alien that looked just like the description that she told the people about, you know, over there in Puerto Rico, because that was the first place the chubacabra was reported. You know, chubacabra has also been reported in Maine, in Russia. It's been reported in in Chile, all over the place. (coughs) So Mexico and, oh, by the way, Texas, from what I understand from people I know down there, there's a lot similar to the one that I saw in Mexico running around in Texas. Okay. But it's not a tuber that a blood sucking thing. It's just it's just a hybrid. It's just a hybrid. Oh my At least goodness. the one I saw, you know, <laughs> like I said, I got a lot of nasty mail after that because people want to believe in their cryptid. And know? I can understand that people want to believe in something cool and different and unique. I get it. But you have got to you you've got to know what's true. You've got to break the ice because that way you'll know what other things are true. If mm. you know that there are things that people report and they're false, right. that way you can know what is true. What's the difference between truth mm. and lies? But yes, Nick, I would love it if you would come on again because this has been such a fascinating conversation with you. I cannot. Uh, I cannot believe that you're here and I got to ask you everything. Well, not everything. I have like 40 other questions to ask you. (laughs) Well, the questions questions were fun. They were different, different ones. Good, good. Well, um, hopefully we'll get together again soon. I appreciate all your time, all your time. And um, it's been a learning experience, Nick. Can you please tell everybody where you can be found, all your handles, uh, email, website, whatever? The best place to get in touch with me if you want to report something or if you want to discuss something, because I answer everybody, you know, myself personally, uh, is the International Dogman Project dash USA. Uh, there are other different state chapters throughout the country. Uh, there's also International Dogman Project Southwest, Southeast, um, Northeast, uh, Northwest. I mean, they're, they're out there. International Dogman Project Nordic countries. That's where we discuss stuff that's in Europe and, and over there in the Nordic country areas. There's a lot of dogman activity in Finland, believe it or not. And wow. uh, 
you know, we try to discuss stuff that's pertinent to the area. Um, something I just wanted to throw out there, if you would keep it in the broadcast, is that September 1st, 2nd, and 3rd of 2003 uh, in Texas, they're going to be having the second annual Dogman Encrypted Conference Ooh. put on by Josh Turner. Uh, last year, we had it in Paris, Tennessee. Uh, it was an overwhelming success. People, all you got to do is, you know, look on Facebook and, and and just type it in, you know, just type in Josh Turner's name and encrypted conference and it'll take you to where you can get the tickets. Um, VIP night is September 1st. You get a big swag bag full of all kinds of stuff that Josh gives you for free. Well, yeah, you're paying for the ticket for VIP night, but you're getting a dinner yeah. and the dinner is, is, I mean, come on, you're going to spend 20 bucks on a dinner, if not more, if you're going to go out. You have mm -hmm. to eat. And this dinner is is like five star. It's absolutely great. And you get to meet all of the cryptozoologists, the writers, the researchers, everybody. I mean, I'm going to be there. I'll be there on September 1st, you know, in uh, in Texas. And uh, I hope to see some of you folks. And you too, Farrah. I hope you'd come by. It would be nice. Thank you. I would love to do that. I would love to meet you, Nick. I would love to meet you. And yes, I will keep it in the broadcast. I'll even do some more plugs for it too before September. But oh, um, yes, we'll get together again soon. Hopefully you'll you'll grace me with your time again. But until next time, cabin crew, I hope that you enjoyed this with Nick Valente. He is just a man to be reckoned with. Um, but yes, until next time, cabin crew, explore your strange. And that was a wrap on my conversation with Nick Valente. What a true professional in his field, I must say. And it was an enlightening conversation. Uh, Nick, this episode is, of course, dedicated to you, my friend. And I cannot wait to our next conversation that we already have set up. So keep a lookout for that one, Cabin Crew. Other than that, remember, I'm dropping the episode with Jessica Jones, the Cryptid Huntress, this Saturday. And of course, I have many amazing episodes coming up, which you should see by my Instagram post, where I listed just a few of them. So if you haven't checked that out, please go over to my Instagram at The Conversation Cabin and take a look. Make sure that you follow the podcast to get updates on new episodes that have dropped live shows, bonus content, and more, make sure to sign up for the email subscription service, which is at my website, the For Now website, which is the HTTPS colon slash slash theconversationcabin.podbean.com. Take a look there, sign up so you can get a scary newsletter, as well as all of the updates for the conversation cabin. And until next time, cabin crew, explore your strange. <laughs>